Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. This is Ethan speaking, and I'm joined today by Elkin, the far more handsome man of this podcast today. So Elkin, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Had a long weekend, but it does not seem like as long as yours. For those who do not know, right now the left side of Ethan's face is slightly swollen. He probably thinks it's more than slightly, but it is definitely swollen. Ethan is not a happy camper right now, so we're not going to try to keep him on here for too long. Yeah, now the toothache has developed into something that's not ideal, a little infection. Got to go to the dentist. Gross stuff, I know, but I don't care. This is We're pulling you behind the curtain so you understand the level of frustration. <laughs> but we're going to... We're going to lighten the mood up a little bit, Elkin. We're going to talk about one of our teams today, the Indiana Pacers. Yes. Everyone knows that is your team, and we're going to do the state of the franchise for them. So getting started, Elkin, obviously a disappointing injury to Victor Oladipo. Mm -hmm. Let's just kind of start there with our core. Victor Oladipo, what are we looking at with this man? I think Victor Oladipo, you get a guy, strong two-way player, one of the better defensive players, which is a guy that I love for this team. Been developing a three-point shot since he's been coming into the league. I don't have the stats in front of me. I was trying to look up really quick while you were doing your intro to look at his progression throughout the years with his shooting because I know that was one of the was one of the things. And right now, he's this year looks like he did not shoot. He's not shooting as well, 34% three-point. But every year before then, he had improved steadily. And that was actually the concern that people had with him coming out of college was, can he develop a jump shot for usually athletic? And I don't know if you remember this. They actually said if he's if he develops, he could be possibly a Dwayne Wade, not 2.0, but like a a lesser version of Dwayne Wade. Yeah, like the more I think more of a modern version is what they're looking yeah. for. You know, a guy who obviously does not have the the cr- craftiness and the stuff yeah. old man game that Dwayne Wade lives on and has lived on since he was even a young man. Yeah. But he would have that modern day three point shot, which could be an equalizer. And I, I certainly agree that that was definitely like the upside play. And maybe he still can get there. Unfortunately, with this, um, you know, ruptured quadricep tendon, that was a um, pretty, pretty big damper on his day. And we can, yeah. We can parse and say, should he have been out there? He was kind of lingering with an injury before. like. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the man's hurt, and he's um, he's not set to be back till next year at the earliest. And who knows? It's one of those things that he could have been healed up from a knee injury and still gone out there and ruptured it. We never know with it. But the future's looking bright. He's only 26 years old. At least he didn't sustain this injury when he's older. I think the Pacers should do not rush. It's one of those if he needs to take – Come back next all by next all-star break, do it. Because luckily for them, the rest of their core are young guys that you can afford to kind of just bring along as well. So Victor's a guy where I'm like, all right, let's take our time. And then the other two guys that are bringing up the core are Miles Turner and Sabonis. Now, Miles Turner, I got like a love-hate relationship with him. Mm-hmm. A lot of listeners remember the beginning of the season. Pretty sure I bashed him a lot. I said, yeah. oh, maybe we're better off going with Sabonis. What's going on? And then it seems like Miles Turner's kind of just clicked. Whereas I've gone to a few Pacers games and watched a lot of them, and he used to always get the ball to pass him out to the wing. He had like an open three, plenty of space, but he did that slight hesitation, which in the NBA, that's all someone needs is like a second to catch up to you. And he just, and then he didn't know what to do with the ball. Shot clock was dying, and he would get caught in those situations a lot. But then recently, it's almost as like after December, he just, flip the page where he's not hesitating and defensively he's been a monster 
Yeah, I can't say about defensively. He's been working out really great for us. To me, he's actually defensive player of the year candidate in my mind, but I don't want to be biased. I'd rather have someone like you or Richard kind of say, all right, we can kind of see that. But for me, I like defensively. And of course, the Pacers with him on the court, the defensive rating is definitely higher. And I don't know what were your thoughts on him. I think he is, he's turned the page and he might just be a guy who gets maybe like 14 and eight give us like two three blocks and i'll take it as long as he spreads the floor brings a positive net brings a positive net rating when he's on the floor i'm happy with it oh he's definitely made the strides that you need to see out of a guy he he i look at him and the way he's playing this year it honestly reminds me a lot of what brooke lopez is doing mm-hmm. in milwaukee but he's at and but Miles Turner definitely affects the game even more so defensively. The Pacers still play a primarily drop big defense. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, like sometimes those guys can get lost in the shuffle a bit when they're not, you know, switching out and like kind of showcasing what, you know, modern what people want out of a modern day center. Yeah. But he's shooting the three exceptionally well. He's not firing as much as one. Um Brooke Lopez, but he is getting him up there, and I can see him hunting the shot a little bit. Like I can see him really going, like he sets a, a screen and mm-hmm. he fades hard to get away from the defense, so he can get up a, an open three pointer. And I love to see that for a guy who has had moments of being hesitant on shooting threes. So I think that's a big improvement. I still think his volume is overall where what needs to improve. Like he needs to have the ability to demand the ball and actually be a, a threat on offense. Yep. He's, still, he's still only shooting 50 per, 52% from two. And I think that I'm, I'm trying to scroll down to his percentage percentage of looks, but I have a feeling that's because he still does settle for mid-range jump shots more than he should. And that's the thing we really need to look at at how he can improve. Because right now he's taking 15% from three to 10 and then 11% from 10 to 16 and then 26 percent of his shots coming from the mid-range 16 to three point line Mm. and that needs to be reduced and this 23 percent from three of all his attempts needs to be raised it like his highest percent of his shots comes from 16 to three 16 feet to three point line and as we know that's usually not the most efficient shot so Mm. that's that's a thing he really needs to step up on choosing his, his shot selection and making sure he's focusing on what is the most efficient plays yeah and being able to watch him you kind of you're right about the two-point shot and also too he what i also know is he tends to rush a lot where he that's something that he's been working on whereas he will get the ball sometimes he would be in the post and he said what should i do and he he sometimes flips a weird off balance hook shot that doesn't work because that's not really his shot whereas he's a guy that if he faces up like i know he wants to be a back down guy but a lot of times for him he faces up he has a shorter guy who'll just shoot over the top of them. But you're right. For me, he's either needs to be quick in what he's gonna do, or three-point shot, or for me, foul line jumper. The games of which he has been successful is he stays between three-point or right at the foul line. Because he normally does a pick and roll with Darren Collison, and his guy always goes in, kind of collapses into the lane, and he has that that nice quick, almost like you said, fading away shot where he can just get it over somebody, but I have enjoyed the improvement. I mean, it's what you want to see out of him, especially if you give him the contract. And for me, the contract that he got, which was it, four years, $80 million? Yeah, like 17 a year, I believe. Yeah. I feel like that's not that bad of a contract for a guy, especially you're going to get 
this type of production, both on defensively, defensive and offense. Whereas a guy like Sabonis, I'm kind of still, I'm still curious to see how he develops because I know a lot of his damage he does is against second units, but also when he's starting, he's still a solid producer. When you see him, I mean, he, I know he doesn't have a right. <laughs> he's going to go left every time. And the thing is, it works. It's one of those guys that you know is going left. But in the NBA, some guys are still caught off guard by the random, by the guys who go left. I don't know how that happens. But he's a guy where I'm just like, okay, when he goes in there, he definitely brings a different element. To me, Sabonis offensively is more developed than Turner is. As far as he knows what to do with the ball more, not just for himself, but for others. Sabonis just has all that intelligence that, mm -hmm. like, it, some of it can't be taught. Yeah. Um, like, he just has a very natural feel for the game and puts his teammates in really good positions to succeed. And I think that's shown in, like, the amount of assists he gets in the limited minutes he gets. He gets two and a half, two point seven 2.7 assists in 24 mm -hmm. minutes. And the Pacers aren't a team that, like, just focuses on getting him the ball to like create he just he just finds his way into those assists but you gotta love Sabonis he he, he has a he's getting 9.3 rebounds per game 14 points per game and he's shooting ridiculously high percentages yep. from every area of the floor which his three-point percentage like could be a bit of a you know you're not sure because he's only averaging 0.2 attempts per game mm -hmm. but that just shows he's being selective about it I scrolled down to his um shot attempts uh per distance mm -hmm. and he takes 49 percent of his shots from right inside the uh three three feet a little bit like 27 percent from three to ten and then 12 percent or less from the remaining three categories 10 to 16 16 to three and three pointers so he aside from that is that 12 percent does come from 16 to three point range so that's still like an area that like hey you're doing so well eliminating it let's try to get that down some more Mm -hmm. he's doing pretty good at it. There could be improvements, but this guy is a super efficient player. I think it's uh, Kevin Arnovitz always just kind of makes a joke that, oh, he's, he's six for he's six for seven from the field again. Oh, he's eight for ten from the field again tonight. <laughs> he really is just a super efficient offensive player, and we can argue that it's because he plays against, you know, sub-level teams and mm -hmm. it's like second units, but the guy does not ever look like he's out of control. He's always, he's always the man who has the plan, and you know, we we were talking about it earlier that maybe they would the Pacers would be upset that they extended Turner because Sabonis is going to be the guy. But honestly, I it's it's interesting to see if they can manage both those guys, especially if they both can become plus three point shooters. All of a sudden, we are looking at a team with I don't know how you would stop them if both those guys are looking at thirty seven percent on reasonable volume. Yeah, and I was going to ask you that. Do you ever imagine a future where you can play both of them consistently or will it always be where you have to bring one off the bench, stagger their minutes together, and rarely play them? Well, I just don't know if you can play them together on a regular basis because it's so hard to to defend with two, you know, more of slogs. But Miles Turner is, like, definitely proven to be a reasonable switch defender. Mm -hmm. He has pretty quick feet. Sabonis, I think, is even better in that regard. It's like you're not – you're not technically losing anything, but if you got guys who are both hunting mid-range shots or like going to clog up the paint at all for each other, that's where the problem comes offensively. And for a team yeah. that doesn't have elite, the elite of elite creators, it, it that could be a struggle. I I think there's definitely matchups that they can you know beat. It's just there's mo most of the great teams are going to have that wing score 
that you can't leave Sabonis or Turner both on the floor at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. I definitely understand. Now, I am curious. Moving on to the next list, you have the questionables as far as where the pace is going to do because there's a few young guys on there and a few guys whose contracts are expiring. Also, mm-hmm. some favor love as usual. I know you couldn't resist. Yes. They're on there. Hey, he's good. I'll give you that. He's really good. Now, I will, I will begin by saying this. Everything that I've heard from local media, kind of some of the insiders around, is Bojan Bogdanovic. He, he's a guy that the Pacers are looking at definitely bringing back, especially after this season. I mean, this season has been one of those just – he was a solid producer last year for the Pacers, and this year I feel like he's taking an even bigger step. As far as how he's contributing, his shooting has been great this season too. Astounding. Yeah, his three-point shooting, he's I mean, he's a he takes a decent amount of threes, his two-point shots, defense, he's not a slouch on defense. Cause I know that's one of the things people are like, oh, is this guy gonna stink on defense? But no, he's able to hold his own. And he's a guy who I'm the Pacers. I want to bring him back. Now he is 30 years old. I don't know what price tag he's gonna ask for, but if I were to use some of my cap money, he's the guy I would try to look at bringing back. Yeah, I I still want to limit like offering a big like mm-hmm. long term deal. I yeah. would I would kind of you know see where he's at in terms of dollars and see if we can just get him one year deals because this is a team that needs to have higher aspirations than Bog than a uh, Bowie on anyway. Yeah. But he is he's really outperforming what your expectations would have been. It's been interesting to see that he's, you know, taking so much more of a scoring burden, a ball handling burden, and he's still looking to just to basically score. Like facilitating is not his his uh, most keen trait, but his assists have risen a little bit, and his turnovers have not risen like as much as you would think with how much more he's had the ball. Yeah, he's he's shooting an ungodly percentage from three, forty three percent for me the for the year. That is his career high, but I'd say it's you know relatively sustainable. I don't think he's back going to be like back down to 35 percent or anything like he's been at a different point in his career this guy mm-hmm. is really just like taking everything he's been given and like exceeded expectations i definitely think he needs to be back next year especially with i don't think you guys are in the running for a Kawhi leonard or kevin durant nope and with that in mind you, you gotta try to retain these guys who played well off of oladipo and also played well um with him being out yeah, and that's that's why he's one of the guys where I'm just like, let's bring him back. But as many things with the price tag that he might be asking for, I'm definitely kind of hesitant. Now the next guy, Thaddeus Young, also expiring. He's a guy where it's already been rumored he wants a long term deal. He wants to lock down. Most likely, he's going to have a chance to get like one more big deal, and this is his chance to get it. And he's been. He's honestly been the glue guy. Since we got on the Pacers, he's been that glue guy defensively. He's been go-to. And he's one of those guys, too. He's only like 6'8", 6'9", but has a really good post game. Like, that's his game. I mean, he may not shoot the best from three-point, but his post game is nice. The way he sets up others is good. And he's one of those guys where you want around, but it might be a casualty of free agency. That's where I see it as. Yeah, and his three-point percentage has rebounded from early in the year when we were talking about him and Draymond. 
yeah. Draymond land of well crap we can't really argue that he's equal to Draymond when he's shooting just as bad but yeah. he's he's up to 36% on the year which I could mm-hmm. tank back down to 32 by the end of the year just if he has a bad week but yeah. you get the idea he's he's still a pretty effective offensive player and he can definitely get to that left hand in the post uh, he's been I think honestly the most important factor of your defense even more so than Turner for the simple fact that he can switch and he can really crush it with any individual matchup you get him on like there's no mm-hmm. one that can really take advantage of him and I think that's been super valuable for this team with that in mind like I just I look at Thad Young as like you said being an almost an anchor for this team and kind of the guy who directs how the team is going to run for the day It'll just be interesting to see how the Pacers value him because obviously if you want a bonus and you want Turner, those those are guys who are going to demand certain amount of monies going forward. And Thaddeus Young on a long-term deal might not be ideal fit for those other two. You know, I talk about a three big rotation all the time, but when you have two guys who are primarily centers, not one primary center and a guy who can uh, function as a center pretty well, it makes that three big rotation a little harder to do. So I'm really interested to see what they want to do with Thad Young because he's obviously really important to this team. I think he's a huge value with the way he can play defense and like sneakily stretch the floor. Like his history machine has always been a little inconsistent, but he's he's 33% for the career, which is, you know, okay. Um, I just want to know where he's valued. I'm really excited to see his free agency because I want to see if there's a team that's like on the cusp that needs something like that, if, they'll, if they're going to overspend and maybe get him, or if the Pacers can get him back here, maybe a longer-term deal, but maybe something a little bit more reasonable than – I mean, I, I just don't know what his market is, given that there's so much free, uh, free agency money out this year, and some teams are going to be holding out on it just to get those big stars. Maybe Thaddeus Young's – if you can get him early in the process – some of those teams with more money to offer, which you guys have a lot of cap space too. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can get him in at a better deal before some other teams come after him as their second option. Yeah, it's just with him. I see a random championship team just coming out and saying, we, we think this guy is going to keep us either competing at a high level or just he's going to push us over the edge. Because he's the type of guy where if he's like your fifth guy on there on the championship team, it's really well for you. Go ahead, Ethan. You got something you want to say? Well, I was going to say, like, you know, talking about, like, you know, championship team, like, let's say the Raptors lose out on Kawhi, mm-hmm. but they're like, all right, we got Kyle Lowry for one more year. Hey, Thad, we're going to – Marcus Hall just opted out of his player option. We need a third big for this rotation. How about you come here for $20 million, play with Siakam and Ibaka and be our three big rotation, and we're going we're gonna to do something special with that, that, those, those bigs there. And you lose him just because some teams willing to say, "Hey, for one year, come make a lot of money. We can see where you go after that." Yeah. Which that that's honestly a, a scenario I'm kind of scared of now that I think about it. I can, <laughs> I can honestly see that something like that happening, though. To tell the truth, because the way that I see the Pacers is, I, I just think they're. It seems like they're moving on all signs. All the reports I read from a bunch of the inside guys is. They know how much Thad means. I mean, I think they're still going to put an offer out there for Thad, kind of let them know, like, we want to retain you, but here's our offer. But I think Thad is going to say, well, it's been nice. Thank you for the offer. I'm moving on. Yeah, especially if you can secure that long-term bag. That is a big deal for everyone involved. Now, now the next two guys, some young some young guards. Mm-hmm. Aaron Holiday and Emnon. Is it Edmund Sumner? Edmund. Edmund Sumner. Sumner. Now, Aaron Holiday, I would definitely like for him to get more time. He has 
he had moments in which he's playing out there and you're like, wow, this guy is great. This guy is, he's solid. I mean, he's not superstar, but he's a solid guy, provides some, some scoring off the bench. One of the things is he is smaller and he is purely in there to score. Most of the time when I see his games, it's great to see him go against second units, but you're not going to get much distribution and creating for others when Aaron Holiday's in there. Whereas it feels like Sumner's a guy who, first of all, he has a he has length at that guard yeah. position. He has really good length. One of the things that you told me when I always bring him up to you, he's like he has length, but sometimes he doesn't know what he's doing out there. He just kind of just, I'm long, I'm flailing, I'm going everywhere. And it kind of like he just goes. Yeah, he plays at 110 miles an hour. Yeah. And he, he plays like he's got the body of LeBron James sometimes, but he's he's six <laughs> six and a hundred hundred and eighty pounds. Like he's he's super skinny. Yeah. And like he 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 really doesn't have much control of his limbs, which I think is apparent in his shooting percentages. Mm-hmm. But he's one of those guys that I think honestly just needs to get more run and he's gonna would be an effective NBA player. But it's when you got a team with so many competent guards like the Pacers have, it's hard to say that. He's earned it, and the same could be said for Aaron Holiday because you have a Wes Matthews, a Darren Collison, a Corey Joseph, and a Tyreek Evans who all offer a certain amount of, of poise when they're in the game and also playmaking ability where yeah. you, neither of these two guards have it right now. I think Edmund Sumner could have it, but he's just a little – he's still a little too erratic and definitely hasn't found his NBA footing yet. But I, I do think he's eventually going to hit a, a couple-season stretch where he's part of a, a heavy rotation. Yeah, and do you see do you see much out of Holiday in the future, or do you think it's one of those let's wait a little bit more, a few more games to see what we have in Holiday? Are you familiar with the child star Aaron Brooks? I am. I think Aaron Brooks is a pretty good comp for this guy. You you don't know, maybe maybe things work out really well, and he has a crazy breakout year and gets paid for the rest of his career off that one year production. But do I see him being a guy who's like? ever part of a team that really is using him like because he's actually that good no i do not i think i think he's one of those guys who is who can get some buckets uh, when a team really needs scoring i don't know if he'll ever have a breakout year like aaron brooks did when he won most improved but I mean, he, I, that's what—that's how I see this guy. I think he's just one of those guys who's—you know—he can get—he can get a bucket. He's—he's he's good enough to always be enticing. But is he really an impact player? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's I mean, just—that's the kind of—that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from it. I mean, he's possibly a guy that I can see maybe getting like six man of the year one of the one of the years in his career. Like he'll break out for like 15, 16 points off the bench. Yeah, I mean, he looks fluid, and he has a seems like he has an array of dribble moves that gets him free, even with his slight size. Yeah, it's just how consistently can those moves get you there when, when, when you're buried on <clears throat> buried on a roster, or until you get that opportunity to really shine for a true second unit. I just don't know if his skill sets are going to be enough to promote him to a second unit unless the Pacers do some trimming around the guards. Also true. Also true. Well, those are questionable. Um, I see they have one bad contract. Oh, this one hurts me to look at, though. It does, doesn't it? Because it was so unnecessary, it feels like. Yeah, like they still could have gotten him without even getting anywhere close to that. 
I think so. Doug McDermott getting $7.3 million over three years. And like now we have only two years remaining after the end of this season. It just seems like one of those things that they they wanted to get Joe Harris, which I think would have been the better signing. Joe Harris has been very good yeah. in Brooklyn this year. And with Joe Harris, you know, signed with Brooklyn, the team that's made, got him to his success. And at that point, they pivoted to the next white shooter on the market, one Doug McDermott, and that that just happened to be a little little less good. So, man, and do you think? So I don't know if you heard the. Um, I don't know if you listened to the JJ Reddit podcast. I don't know if you listen much to him because you you might be a JJ Redicator. I don't know. No, I I I listen to his podcast. I'm just very far behind on podcasts right now. Did you ever hear what he said about? Um, how close he was to signing to Indiana? Nope. He actually was. They offered him the the contract, and he said he was really considering it because he saw the team, he saw the makeup of the team, and he said, "This is something going on here." And he was really he was about to do it, and then Philadelphia came out of nowhere and they offered him just a little bit more right at the end. So he was ready to sign. And I think about what would have happened to a guy and a guy like JJ Redick in there. It would have been good. And of course, Philadelphia I think could also offer JJ probably more minutes as well, starting minutes. But that yeah. was one thing that I thought about. But the McDermott contract killed me. One one contract for me, the only reason isn't that bad because it was a one-year deal, is Tyreek Evans. Mm. Like that's one where I think the Pacers, if they they kind of just said, hey, let's take a shot. I mean, that's why you do these one-year deals, see like if a player fits because Tyreek Evans had a really solid season last year. This just isn't the fit for him. As much as I've seen him play, as much as I've seen him go out there and do what he needs to do, he's just been way too inconsistent this year. But he's probably and he's definitely a guy that the Pacers I do not think are ever going are going to bring back at all. Yeah, you could say this is this season's been a lot of like regression to his mean. Like his three point mm-hmm. percentage is still higher than his career average because of how poorly yeah. he was a shooter back in Sacramento days and early Pelicans. Um, his assist numbers aren't there, which, you know, part of that is he's probably not in the playmaking role as much as he probably needs to be. But he, he just hasn't fit in with whatever Nate McMillan's got going. And Nate McMillan seems to be getting the most out of most uh, of most of his guards. I mean, they play a little bit slower of a pace in most teams. Mm-hmm. But Darren Collison seems to be playing really well under him. And I think I think the same for even a, um, a Corey Joseph, who I've never been a fan of. But like these guys seem to be, you know, doing om- pretty much the most they can be expected to do yeah. under Nate McMillan, and this the same cannot be said for Tyreek Evans. So it's interesting to see why that isn't a fit. I'm not sure I have my finger put on it. Mm-hmm. This reminds me back to our like last year's discussion in terms of who we thought they should focus on. We we mentioned Aaron Gordon to like just come in here right after Thad Young um, departs, and you could let him walk. I know I mentioned going after Marcus Smart and restricted free agency, and I still stand mm-hmm. behind that because maybe, maybe that would have worked out good for both teams. Maybe Boston has a little bit less of a roster crunch. Maybe they fix some of their chemistry problems because they're not fighting over minutes as much. And I honestly think that Marcus Smart would be playing very well for the Pistons or for the Pacers here with Victor Oladipo and him originally playing that defensive front, uh, defensive backcourt. I think that would have been terrifying. Yeah, and. That's one thing I wish could have happened, definitely defensively. And I'll give the Pacers, I mean, I know much of much them is more the player, but picking up a Wes Matthew, I think that's one thing that kind of helps their season stay a little bit afloat. We know they're going to get to the playoffs. 
It's the East. They won too many games already. Even though their schedule is getting brutal this month, they're going to win enough to at least get 48, 49. They're probably going to get, in my mind, they're getting 50 wins. That's where mm-hmm. I see them finishing, finishing up at. I think they can get at least about half of these next few games. But you're right, though, about the Marcus Smart. That's the one I really, really think about how that would have gone because defensively, I think you need someone else in the backcourt to help out. I mean, Darren Collison, I don't know I don't know his defensive numbers, but it's one of those guys where I see him more as he's a great distributor. He's solid shooter, consistent, but defensively, no. And and I'm curious to see what's going to happen next to a point guard with the Pacers. That's something we can talk about in my GM because they have – a few point guard contracts expiring and I have no idea where they're going to head at this point. Well, they have, they have a lot of contracts expiring. It's not yeah. just the point guard, it's kind oh, of the whole, kind of the whole team. And yeah. when you think about that, it's like, well, how can we make a splash and try to improve this team when our best player, our best marketing piece is, is In- not available to us yeah. to be like, yeah, you can play next to him. He's going to be great. And Victor Oladipo. It you know really makes me sad that they might have missed out on some opportunities to go after either Aaron Gordon or Marcus Smart last year in their strict free agency time. But I mean that, that's what you get stuck with sometimes. So let's go ahead and and bop off what their um, draft picks are and and um, their cap situations for the next few years, and we'll go All from right. there. So to reflect the fact that most of their roster is free agents next this coming offseason, they only have sixty million dollars. On the on the books, and I believe that is without cap holds because all these guys um, are non-bird right free agents, if I'm not mistaken. That being all these veterans, Thad Young might have bird rights because he's been on the team, I believe, three years. But everyone else, I believe, is is non-bird right players. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind they've already resigned Miles Turner, so he's factored into that. Now, so bonus becomes extension eligible as soon as the season's over, so that could be another. Um, Another thing that cuts into cap space, so they can do that up until October fifteenth or the thirtieth. I can't remember if they changed the date when the CBA uh, got updated with that. Anyway, um, so twenty twenty one they'll have fifty fifty five million. Twenty uh, twenty one twenty two they'll have twenty four, and then it is only um. Mister Miles Turner in twenty two twenty three at his eighteen million dollars salary. The draft picks they have is incoming at 2021 second for Milwaukee, and they have traded out the 2019 second round pick. I believe that's going to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Regardless, this is where that team sits. Draft capital is pretty, pretty set. You know, they're missing a pick this year, but they have one in the future. Mm-hmm. Now, Elkin, we need to figure out who these guys need to be targeting. Who can they acquire to make. Man make this team stay competitive with or without Oladipo for a full season. I was looking down through the unrestricted free agent list on Spoltrack, and I was just going through all the guys that could possibly sign. I mean, you take away, you think, should they go after any restricted free agents? Since they have some cash space, should they just throw like, hey, here's some money at this guy, and let's see if it gets matched or not. Well, I'm I'm taking a look at a lot of these free agency guys, and this is the uh, Andrew Wiggins. No, it's not the Andrew Wiggins. I'm my my apologies. This is the currently Towns draft, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one restricted. Yeah, so I'm I'm trying to pull up that that draft class, see who all is actually worth 
anything I mean, here. There's not guys will be worth something are staying with their teams pretty much. Yeah. D'Angelo Russell, Porzingis. There's no way those guys are getting then doesn't make sense to get like a Willie Colley Stein because you already have all the big guys. And after that it's no one really worth it. yeah, definitely gonna just go ahead and go to yep. free agent at that point. I'm scrolling. I got the ESPN 2019 and 2020 things freed up. I guess there's the only question for me is like, how committed are you to Thad Young? Are you maybe interested in a Trey Lyles out of Denver? He might be on his way out given their cap situations. You know, they might want to, you know, decline Paul Millsap's team option and get him back for a similar amount of money. But like the fact that they still have to pay, have Mason Plumley on the book, they're going to be. Re- probably extending Jamal Murray this offseason. Trey Lyles might not be in their future. Maybe he's a guy you consider bringing in. He's from Indiana. That kind of yeah. helps. But there's not a whole lot in that regard. and I, It's unfortunate because I look at Jordan Bell for the, the Warriors. He's not a good enough shooter to really want to pair with your current bigs either. Hmm. And I'm just seeing like, which guys they could – I will say, Patrick Beverly, he's a guy that I would go after. I, I say that for every team because he's just one of those players that he can't he, – it doesn't seem like he can make your team worse. Yeah, he's he's he always seems to add something. I wish, like I said, a guy that I really wish we could have gotten him was definitely Aaron Gordon. I'm looking here at unrestricted. I do like the thought of Pat. Um Just it's just a tough situation right now. Yeah. I guess the other question is Malcolm Brogdon with the Bucks. Mm-hmm. What about so it? they're in a, they're in a bit of a cap crunch too when it comes to managing this cap because they got they they extended Eric Bledsoe so they got their starting point guard so to speak. Chris yeah. Middleton, we have to assume he will be resigned. Brooke Lopez is kind of the interesting guy here, and in how much money can he demand when he's having a killer year? But how many other teams can use him like this? We don't really know that for sure. Malcolm Brogdon could be sitting a little dry here. I, I assume they'll match because this is a title level yeah. team. But is it worth a shot to take a Malcolm Brogdon, who is a 50 40 90 guy in terms of percentages? He's right there. He's a solid defender. He is aged. He's, I'm pretty sure he's as old as Victor Oladipo. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, if you can add another shoot, a, a really good shooting, you know, one guard, two guard hybrid to play with Victor, I mean, is it worth it to take a shot? Is this like a Marcus Smart scenario? You offer him a fair deal, and maybe the Bucks are like, maybe a bit too rich. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say what they how they value him when they have a guy who's basically their functional point guard in Giannis and their literal point guard in Eric Blood. So it's hard to say how much value they have for that, or if they think they can find shooting shooting somewhere else. That's one thing I don't really. It's. I feel like this, this would not. This is not going to be the best offseason for them to have this space. Oh, I know, Richard. I said Richard. I'm sorry. I'm I'm it's, drugged up for this tooth infection. It's okay. I already I already feel your pain out here, and I'm just thinking. I'm like, for them, it might just be hey, and I know Indiana would never do this because with the owners and how things go, it's always just we got to stay competitive. But they might have to say. All right, let's get Victor back. Let's just let's not get ourselves in multi-year deals. Let's just sign some one-year deals with a few guys. 
let's at least get to the playoffs because honestly, without Victor and they bring back like McDonovich, you still have Miles Sabonis at another few guys. They'll probably still make the playoffs in the East. And they'll get that, get the fans interest. And then 2020, they're like, all right, now we have get Victor back, make it see to look more lucrative, the team. Then you can go after some guys. Yeah. I mean, and then I think that's ultimately the move. You just go with whatever extends your window. And yeah. if these, these, all these players are not ex- helping extend your window because they're not sure things on a long-term contract, you got to just, you know, run it back year by year. It's definitely risky because you can lose a player that you don't want to lose because they feel disrespected because you're not paying out to them. But ultimately you, you, it's a team who can't really afford mistakes when when um, it comes to team building. I want to mention yeah, no. something um, that the Blazers, a team that's in a similar situation when it comes to signing free agents. In 2015, they offered Ennis Cantor a four-year, $70 million contract Ooh. that the Thunder ended up matching. Now, Ines Cantor is a stupid good offensive player, but I was watching the Thunder and – Blazers played the other night, and when Nurkic uh, went got um, sent out of the game with his second technical foul, Ennis Cantor was forced to play the remainder of the game. Mm-hmm. And I say that was a mistake because Ennis Cantor can't play any defense, and I'd like to see Zach Collins, your center prospect of the future, out there playing. But if you think about what the Blazers ended up doing because of that, they, when they got declined the option to get a guy they really wanted, which they may – they, you got to assume they did. If they offered him four years, $70 million, they ended up spending that money elsewhere. It ended up becoming an Evan Turner contract yeah. and a Myers Leonard contract when the cap spiked. So with a team being a better situation, if you just would have swung and hit on a guy a year early versus a year late, maybe you don't know. But I just want to mention that because I think sometimes we get, you know, scared of restricted free agents and we look at how some teams get screwed on the back end of them, but it's, it's sometimes not always as bad as you think. And as Cantor could have been out here, like it does limit your moves. Maybe you don't get Nurkic. Maybe it, like maybe a lot of things don't happen. But like for this one scenario, because of how badly the Blazers spent their money thereafter, it actually might have been helpful to have no defense Cantor on the team. <laughs> but uh. I just wanted to mention that because I, I the Pacers do need to not make a contract offer like that to a, a player who's so one-sided. But hypothetically, if they were to say, hey, you know, it would be nice if we just took some ball handling responsibilities off of our man, Victor Oladipo, Ricky Rubio, you want to come in and run our team with our good shooting big and you're, you'll be the worst shooter on the roster. You can come in here and, you know, put some numbers up like I would think that wouldn't be terrible, especially if the Jazz are looking to move on and find a, a more of an off ball guard for Donovan Mitchell to play with. I think Ricky Rubio would make some sense. We talked about Ricky Rubio going to the Bulls. I think in a podcast I did with Richard and just having a competent point guard among all these, you know, young prospects and shooters, maybe that would be the thing that makes a difference. Ricky Rubio, I think makes sense for the Pacers as well. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to search just some random. It's, it's really slim pickings. There's so many free agents out here this year. Like it's like over half the league basically. Yeah. And it's just hard to see what a, a, what a team wants to do with these players they have on roster. You know, there's just, there's so many options for teams. And like, there's players like Rudy Gay who, yeah, he would make some sense for the Pacers. Like let's, let's try another run at a, you know, a guy who could just get some buckets. But, you know, 
I think the Spurs. I don't think he leaves the Spurs because he's been performing well there. Like, do you really want to be the team that tries again on Rodney Hood? I mean, maybe, maybe it works out for you. He might be worth a flyer. He might be worth that one year, seven million dollar contract because you have the space here. We'll give you a little bit more money for one year. Come see if you can fix your career here. Maybe, maybe you guys are the ones who want Kelly Oubre Jr. and you go with him versus Thad Young because yeah. he's another lefty. Maybe a little bit higher shooting, shooting promise, and he's younger. Maybe that's the guy you replace Thad Young with. You can get Kelly for th- three years, thirty-five million instead of instead of Thad Young. I, don't, I mean, it's there's options to be had out there, and it's so, but it's just so hard to know what teams' intentions are because the Suns, they are a team that you would think can compete pretty soon if they just get their heads on straight. <laughs> because of how, have you seen how efficient DeAndre Ayton is? That man is so yeah. good at scoring a basketball. And if Devin Booker gets another guard out there to help him, I'm terrified of how good that team could get. If they Minus get, the organization they play for. Uh, if they get the number one pick, who should they go for? I mean, I don't know. Probably Zion Williamson because he could play power. He could play your power forward position, but also guard pretty well any position to a reasonable rate. I mean, that's that's. I think you just got to go with go with the promise there. But I'm I'm still sold that Cam Reddish is going to translate so much better once he steps on an NBA court. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like um, Jason Tatum, but something like that. Hmm. He might not be as good, but I'm just saying, like, he's got the same, like, oh, Tatum looked really inconsistent and not great in college and went to a league that, you know, his he's going to, his spacing is going to help out even more. Yeah. I just, I just kind of look at him in a really positive light, even though he hasn't performed anything yet. But no, Kelly Oubre is about as one another one of those restricted free agencies. He's played pretty well since getting to Phoenix. His three point percentage is not climbing. It's the one complaint I have about him. He's shooting thirty one percent. That young wasn't always a shooter either, though. But he's a high energy, you know, three four that gets out there and gets after it. It's just I don't know. I don't know what your options are, Elking. You guys have so much money, but you guys are not a, t- a team most people want to go to. Yeah, and that's the truth. I mean, most. It's going to be pretty much bringing in players through trade, something like that. But I think at this point, Pacers fans have to understand they're not going to get a big splash. Most of it's going to happen is if they ever do much, they're going to have to give up something to get a player that they really, really want. Or like you said, you have Victor, you kind of have that core. And if that core can prove to be, wow, there's something good going on there. Yeah, things can happen. And you never know. I mean, I know, I know Victor is, our team isn't on the same level as Milwaukee. Victor's on the same level as Giannis. But if we can get Victor to take an even bigger step, and I feel like injuries kind of really felt like he was on the upward trajectory, you could have something. But I'm I will be content if we just sign some shorter contracts, keep it smart, and keep your options open. I'll be completely content. That's the only thing I want. So I'm guessing that there's like just no no chance in our minds that. A Jimmy Butler, a Tobias Harris, a Chris Milton, any of those guys will be like, you know what, the Pacers are where I don't want to go. Like, there's no chance. Like, I that's where I'm at. But like, yeah, I, I mean, I just want to hear from you again. If <laughs> if if Victor would have stayed healthy, and the Pacers would have kept this season like the way it was going, yeah, I think you would have had a chance. Yeah. yeah, maybe Tobias. Maybe Tobias. Maybe maybe, maybe, maybe if Tobias doesn't get traded to Philadelphia. <laughs> well, 
What about the Morris brothers? How about you bring the Morris brothers in for a try? Nope. nope. Not even one year for those guys? Not doing the Morris. You can get two for for one um, one year, $50 million. <laughs> Overpay them for one. No, thank you, sir. I'll pass. Okay, that was my last thought. Those are the, <laughs> those are the uh, you know positional diverse diversity players that um, make sense for almost any roster if they weren't necessarily the Morris brothers. Yeah, you're right, though. Well, I think we reached the end of the state of the franchise with the Pacers. I think we did as well. It was a, it's a good lively chat, unfortunately, for you, your franchise there, bud. Free agents just don't seem to seem to want to go there all that often. Mm-mm. But, oh, well, that's what you got to do. You got to build from within, build through the draft. But we'll say that's one thing the Patriots have been pretty successful, kind of taking out these last maybe few years. Well, when they don't draft a tall white, they're, they're usually pretty good. Yeah, like I'll give them that. When they kind of say, like, we're going to take the best player available. Yeah. I still can't believe the TJ Leaf got drafted instead of the Indiana kid, OG Ananubi. It's still one of the most baffling things you ever seen. Both. You and I both. That one gets me. That one gets me. Yeah. I think, okay. And on that note, we're going to end before I get too mad. And All not- right. <laughs> I'll get out of here. I'm going to ice my face off, and you have a good rest of your day. All right. You too, Ethan. <laughs>